Welcome everyone to the Platform Podcast. It's, oh, I'm really excited about today's episode. I've got a very good friend of mine, Sean Miller, joining us. Now, as you know, we interview a lot of coaches, a lot of athletes, but today we've actually got Sean, who is the father of Jared Miller. Now, Jared Miller was a golf athlete we put into college. Uh, a few years ago, he went and played Division II college golf, but Jared didn't stay in the States for four years. He had a change of pathway and returned back to New Zealand to continue his studies. So, I thought I'd bring Sean um, on today's show to talk a little about his process going to America from a parent's perspective and also, uh, you know, around Jared coming home. And Sean's also going to send some, uh, share some advice uh, for prospective student athletes that are watching this and also parents as well. So, Sean, thank you so much for joining us. Um, we first connected in 2018 at the Rimuru Golf Club. Marcus Wilhouse, great golf coach, invited me to talk and I remember that's when I met um, Jared and yourself for the first time. When did you start thinking about college golf for, for your young boy? Um, I think it really ca came to thought once we'd returned from America in 2016, where he was fortunate enough to play in the U.S. Kids um, World Tournament over there, yep. as well as the World Junior Stars of Golf. And post-returning to New Zealand, um, you know, he really saw that as an, the opportunity and a pathway for, you know, for young as, aspiring golfers. Yeah. No, that's amazing. I mean, when you guys went to the States, whereabouts in America did you go to? And like, what were the golf courses like over there? Um, well, the first event was hosted in Las Vegas at nice. Bears Best. Yeah. Um, so that was one of Jack Nicklaus's layouts where he's taken essentially wow. 18 of his favorite holes around the world. And yeah condensed that into one course and that was just an absolute phenomenal did you get experience. a chance to play at all i, I did but yeah. you know as a father and as a <laughs> caddy you kind of no matter how bad i was hitting it on the day you, you let your player play from those positions because you never know in the event if they may find themselves in a similar position i'm surprised that stanford didn't offer you a deal mate <laughs> <laughs> and like uh, were, the, were the greens like absolute glass were they very quick no, actually they weren't. I think at that course, the, the biggest tip that we got in the week, and, and that's really when you get out there, you speak to some of the green staff and that, you know, they, they're mowing fairways, they're mowing greens yeah. all day, every day kind of thing, keeping it in pristine condition. And I remember on one particular hole, this, this greenkeeper came past and, you know, we had had a look and a read it a putt a few different times and we were still getting it wrong at the time. And he said, Guys, I'm going to tell you this once and it's going to last forever. And it's wherever the Las Vegas Tower is, the greens will always slope towards the tower. Oh, really? So, See, this is very much like New Plymouth. There's a golf club there called Inglewood Golf Club. And I always go with my father and my uncle. And we play on it on the weekends when I'm back home. And there's the, the greens. The greensmen always say the greens slope away from the mountain. Yeah. And I listen to the advice and I still miss every part. <laughs> Might need a lesson from you, man. So what was it like? I mean, you're leaving New Zealand. Now, there wasn't COVID around then, so obviously traveling was a lot easier for you yeah. guys. You arrived there. You're in Las Vegas. What was it like? Were there many college coaches watching Jared compete over there? Um, I think at that stage, we weren't really sure of, you know, where and how the college coaches would go about their business. Um, you know, Jared was only probably 12 or 13 at, at that time. Mm. So um, I can't honestly say that, that I noticed anyone in particularly there. 
Um, however, when, he, when they do go and compete in the US Teens event out at, uh, in North Carolina at Pinehurst, um, there's a lot more activity around those, those sort of events, yeah. you know, with, with coaches yeah. coming out and scouting for young prospects at that yeah. stage. I mean, look, like my father's a tennis coach and my brother plays and I played a lot as a young man and I've, I've witnessed how hard parents have to work to take their kids to tournaments and it's not easy. Uh, I've been memories of myself and my brother driving in the car four and a half hours to play at an event and then would return home the same day off that tournament. I'm guessing you've done the exact same thing. Absolutely. How was it as a parent taking your boy to tournaments and what was that like? Well, I mean, I, I wish I knew Uber was around that time because <laughs> I, I could have been a you know Uber Uber, Uber driver, driver. <laughs> full time for golfers. Yeah. Um, no, I mean you, you do make those sacrifices and you do cart them around the country. Um, I, I remember going down to Manawatu, yeah. where he played in an event, and it's literally you drive, you leave here six o'clock the morning on Saturday morning, or just before, you get down there at twelve o'clock, you have your practice round, you get get something to eat, get to bed, 36 holes the next day, and then straight after that, you drive back, you know, home yeah. to Auckland and get home at Monday morning, two o'clock. That's crazy. And I feel like the, at the time when I was a young man, I didn't really understand the, the effort that went into it until I got my driver's license and had to start driving myself around places. And I was like, man, I had it good. And I know you looked after your boy very well, very well. I mean, but how was it like the parents athlete child relationship you take you obviously want your son to succeed really well at these tournaments when he's in high school right and you're driving hours to go to an event when it doesn't go their way how did you deal with it um i, I think for us it, it was it was very di different in the sense that i probably always want to do dissect straight after the round mm -hmm. um you know in hindsight now mm. having listened to some other podcasts from coaches slash uh sports psychologists around the world like dr mccabe brett mccabe um he has some fantastic um you know podcasts out there and yeah. advice to parents you know how to navigate through those those conversations um quite often your athletes just going to want to shut down He's not going to really be open to a conversation straight afterwards. Yeah. And, and it's just recognizing that and giving them the space mm. to basically come to you yeah, totally right. afterwards. Yeah. So, and, and invariably, they, they will come to you, you know, when they're ready for that conversation. Mm. And it's just being patient and just understanding that it has to come really from, from their side, those conversations. And some of the questions that that you'd give them um is vastly different now having listened to some of this content than the questions i would have asked back then yeah. you know um so yeah it, it's always a learning experience for both athlete and you know parent i mean obviously the the question that we get asked quite often from a parent's perspective is what should a parent shouldn't do during an event because uh, obviously like you said there's there's a lot of Parents, I mean, I can speak from my own personal experience. My dad wants to go through what happened if the tennis match that my brother played didn't go too well. Um, when it comes to like after a round, what advice could you give a parent? Like, how do you recognize these things? Is it, is it case by case? Is it just something that is it like a fundamental thing that you always live by? Like, you know what, after a tournament, I'm not going to talk about the, 
the round for like 24 hours or something. But what advice could you give parents? Um, I, I think every athlete's different. I mean, some of them, some of Jared's friends, they, they'd be open to those conversations quite quickly in their round. You know, they'll either go to the range afterwards and they'll go and work on something. Um, other athletes are just uh, basically mentally tired at that stage and, and just need that, that downtime and they, they take normally longer to reflect on things and they'll know what let them down or you know what things they can work on going forward and as a parent it's then really just up to you to try and facilitate those areas that they need to you know go and work on afterwards and i guess also like there's a bit of a fine line with the way parents um can do things for their for their child because obviously the end the end result is that a parent wants the best out of their their child right they want the best for them and there's a fine line between forcing them to go and practice and letting the athlete drive that process themselves where do you sit on that um i I think for for a long time i was one of those parents that you know also kind of you know when are you going to practice um you know what are you working on and, and things like that um I guess now I, I can see how that would have also influenced some, not necessarily behaviours, but the athlete really has to, first and foremost, they have to be in love with what they're doing and they've got to understand why they're doing it and what the outcome is that, that mm. they want from this. That's good um, advice, yeah. So yeah, it's it comes down to that at the end. Yeah, a lot of people they go out and practice but they don't know what they're practicing for do you find that sometimes absolutely and um i think one of the burning questions that i always had was um when you're working on things you got to understand what it is that you're working on and what the outcome is that you want to get and where in that process you are um that's probably the biggest biggest advice that i can give not only the athletes but to parents as well is just helping your athlete your child understand where they are in the process because they're playing in essentially an outcome-based sport right now now that outcome for each athlete is very different yeah Um, and they're not all at the same level Mm. but it's helping them understand where they are in their process did you find Jared used to compare himself to other athletes playing? It might have been better than him or scoring better than him and, it, and he was quite hard on himself about that? Oh, absolutely. I mean, having a look now after the, the weekend's NZPGA, I mean, there's a guy, Louis Dobler from um, Australia. He played in the final round with Jared Akarana and, and they were literally going head to head in that final round, mm. stroke for stroke and coming down the 17th or the 18th, they, they were on the, the same score on the card, having played the whole day. Mm. And, you know, it was that last two holes that meant the difference between Louis finishing three strokes ahead of Jared. Um, and again, it's probably just Louis having been in that same position or a similar position, being one of the leading amateurs in the world at that stage. Uh, again and again and you know it's just proven itself this weekend where he walks out and, and, he, and he wins on the big stage mm. so because i find a lot of a lot of athletes like for example we recently 
announced that Zach Swanwick has verbally committed to um, University of Florida. Really excited about that for 2024. And to Zach's credit, man, that kid has worked so hard for that. I don't think people know actually how hard that guy's worked. I mean, he shot an amazing round of Manawa 2 recently. And, um, you know, Zach was borrowing clubs from the clubhouse because his clubs were at his house in Napier, which um, they couldn't go near due to the flooding. And so, and also he was playing that round. He shot two rounds under 70 and he shot that with the coach watching him the whole time. Yeah. Like a lot of athletes would fold under that pressure knowing that a, a college coach was flowing across the world to come watch you play and you've got an opportunity. Like that's pretty amazing, right? Yeah. No, absolutely. And, and I think that's really the difference between athletes um, like in America, for instance. They used to that, that constant scrutiny and, and people around watching. I mean, I remember the, the first, first tee that Jared stood up at... Um, in, in Vegas and all of a sudden there's a hundred odd people standing around the tee box and you're being announced on the tee and there's people clapping and you know they can pronounce yeah. the surnames right or wrong on the <laughs> day but <laughs> yeah. you, you just got to basically extract yourself from, from that and try and focus on what it is that, that you know that you can do and that you've been doing for so many hours mm. um, but yes again it's just a different pressure that you know that you've got to get used to and, and the more you get put yourself under that pressure the more you're going to get used to it yeah. i mean T tiger talks about the days that he used to go out with 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 his father and they'd play in a four ball and and his dad would be there screaming and clapping and shouting and didn't and he used to have a whistle or something or like doing whatever he could yeah, to, to literally him di distract him yeah. and i mean we all know how mentally strong he is yeah, I mean, it's, it's crazy the, what you see in America. You see it in all sports. You get heckled on the sideline. You get yelled obscenities. There's, I was actually in Welling, uh, sorry, I was in Christchurch recently because uh, my brother was playing Davis Cup uh, for New Zealand. He was very lucky enough to get selected. And they're playing against Bulgaria. And when I was down there, there's a coach called Remy Fion. And he is um, a, a former college athlete, went to Ole Miss. Uh, he's got a big ring. He did very well as a college athlete. And I said, mate, what was your biggest memory in college tennis? And he said, I was playing against, I think it was University of Georgia he was playing against. And there would have been close to like, you know, 7,000 or something odd people just around the course, like cheering on the University of Georgia. He said it was the most intimidating thing because every time he lost a point, they would be saying, yes, come on. Like they'll be yelling out, you suck. And like all this sort of stuff. And he said that, like, that's why you see a lot of athletes going to college now and then going on the pro tour regardless of what sport they're playing because you're gaining so much more. It's not just the academics, but you're gaining a lot mentally as well. Yeah. I mean, it's such a massive mental game, golf. Yeah, no, it, it certainly is. And I think when you're out there, you, um, the, the challenges that they face going over to the States, I mean, they don't really, back in New Zealand, unless they're playing secondary school golf, you know, where... Le really uh most schools teams are picked for the week or they only have uh they can only select from a few players and, and those players compete week in and week out when you get into the college system um you know you you might have 14 guys on the roster and literally every week it's it's a shootout to see who gets into those top five or six places that that potentially travel and play that week absolutely absolutely and like the reason i mentioned zach swamick before and for people listening to to this podcast today 
Sean and I, when we catch up for coffees, we talk for hours. We just keep going on tangents all the time. So we'll try to keep the streamlined as possible. But the reason why I mentioned Zach is we're now getting like a few athletes comparing themselves to Zach, saying, oh my gosh, I can't get what Zach's got. I can't go to the US. I can't make it as a pro. And I'm like, well, no, like everyone's different. Everyone's different, right? Absolutely. Absolutely. So whether you're going there and playing a D2, D3, D1, um, you really have to understand where you fit and yeah. where you are in that process again. Yep. And when you get there, I mean, you're going to have different motivating factors. So for a lot of them, their motivating factor initially is I need to get onto the team. I need to post some results. And, you know, we're, we're just locking in my spot for the season. And, and that could be their goal. Yep. 100% agree. So let's, let's get into the college process for yourself. So we signed up with you guys, or well, we signed an agreement together, I think it was November 2019 is when we first made that WhatsApp group. And um, I mean, for you guys, obviously you went to the US when Jared was 15, 16 years old. He played in front of some people over there and he came back, talked to a few of his peers and said, yes, I want to go to the States. now. The college process for you, what was really important for you? What did you want us to do to, uh, for Jared in terms of finding him a deal? Um, I, th I think the most important for us was really securing him um, a good location. Um, second to that, something that would benefit him golf-wise. We were looking for um, a coach that was really hands-on at that stage, um, you know, to guide him through his development as a player mm -hmm. um, I mean yes they can stay in contact with their coaches back home um, you know nowadays th th there's a lot of apps on phones and yeah FaceTime um, and stuff and there's, there's a lot of ways to stay in touch with coaches back home um, but yeah you, you got to find something that that really suits you and suits what you want to get out of your golf um, yeah, I mean, Jared was very, his degree was very niche that he wanted to do. I don't know if he spoke about this product design for how many hours, but um, he ended up going to the States and he did, he did quite well. I actually think uh, when I spoke with Jared last time, when I was down in Christchurch, I caught up with him and he said he started an NFT with his uh, friend, you know, on the blockchain. And they uh, were getting into that sort of space, which sounded pretty exciting. But um, in terms of like, I mean, you didn't get a chance to go to Indianapolis. Um, travel, traveling was a bit difficult, wasn't it, during COVID times? And what was it like, though, at Indianapolis? What was the feedback you got from Jared? Um, I, I think he, he enjoyed the university. He enjoyed the people around him. Um, he probably didn't slot into the exact degree that, that he initially wanted to study, like in the product design and that, mm -hmm. based on, you know, limited universities over there that, that offer that. Mm -hmm. um, so I think initially there was a little bit of uneasiness with, with the path that he, that he chose. Um, and that was, at that stage, it was um, ele electronic engineering. Yeah. After semester one, he changed over to mechanical engineering and, and he found that very rewarding, very challenging yeah. and something that he really enjoyed. Um, but again, in hindsight, you know, through through semester one and semester two, the grades that he attained, he managed to get onto the dean's list for both semesters. 
And coming back to New Zealand, I think the one thing that he takes out of that whole experience is he's now found really what it is, you know, that, that kind of motivates him and what he'd like to do going forward. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, after talking with um, you guys throughout the, the college recruitment process, we finally got towards the end where we had to make a decision on which way to go. Yeah. And Jared, yourself and Jared had a chance to talk to a number of colleges. Why University of Indianapolis? Um, I, th I think for us, it seemed like a very close-knit family. Um, the, so coach, the coach set up, etc.? The, the coach set up, I mean, he had been uh, the coach there for quite a number of years. You know, he had a long-standing family history with the university. Yeah. Uh, their basketball stadium, for argument's sake, is called uh, Nickerson. Um, stadium yeah. because his father was the athletic director a few years prior to that and his grandfather was over there as well so there's this long history of the the nickerson family associated with with the university and and the coach's son ben um he plays on the basketball team for the university as well so and i'm pretty sure like when jared went over there he actually stayed a couple of nights with the coach right yeah yeah absolutely like so. the coach like sorted him out and yeah. um made sure he, he felt at home that was pretty cool yeah so the the, the coach would have picked him up at the airport would yeah. have taken him shopping for a bit to get yeah. bits and pieces <laughs> not that he didn't have any shortage of things that he took across with oh, him i'm not sure that you're <laughs> one of the most prepared guys i've ever worked with <laughs> and um but yeah, I mean, w when it came to, uh, you know, the, the holidays like uh, um, Thanksgiving, um, the coach knowing that, you know, Jared didn't really have family over there, he invited him and, and some of the athletes, you know, uh, to go with them down to Kentucky and again, just be part of, of their extended family and, and spend the time on, you know, on mm -hmm. the farm and so th th there's always that, that willingness to, to help and, and be there for the athletes, you know? What was the feedback regarding the sports facilities that Jared got access to? Was he pretty happy with those? Um, yes, I think he was pretty happy with, because they, they could practice, you know, during the warmer days that they had access to about four or five different courses. Mm -hmm. Now those four or five different courses also made part of the, uh, uh, weekly events you know they'd play four practice rounds and based on you know the lowest scores those guys would generally travel for for the events um, yeah I mean there were there were some seniors on his team that were well established one of them Keegan Bronneberg yet the year previous to Jared getting there he actually won the NCAA division two stroke play event wow. so well established um so proven pathway yeah proven pathway and in fact three of their players post last year have now all turned pro and i think two of them have already won out on tour so you know, for anyone listening to this that thinks division one is better than division two you're having an absolute laugh it's not true at all is it i get sick no. of, i get sick of people saying that yeah. and that's why we want to get guys like yourself on this podcast, man, because yeah. there's a lot of people that think they can't go pro yeah. if they go to a Division Two college. That's just not true, right? Yeah. You've followed you've followed Division Two college goal closely with interest, haven't you? Yeah, no, I've, I've followed it quite closely, and uh, one of the events that Jared played in, it was actually the, the team that wasn't travelling that week. Um, they went and played in another event, and it was a D1 event, mm. 
And he went out there and he was lying, I think, sixth after day one. Wow. And, and that's the thing, right? Like, athletes have got choices. Go to a D1 school or go to a D2 school. And some people might say, you know what? I, I want to go to this Division two school in a nicer location in a city of 900,000 people like Indianapolis versus going to a remote location to a Division one school where there's not much going on. I mean... Jared had every opportunity to go to like a, a Indiana Pacers NBA game and stuff like that, right? He could have gone to all of those events, but if you're in remote locations, you can't. So, and again, it comes down to trying to find the right fit. So, do you feel Indy looking back on it now? I mean, I know Jared's back home in New Zealand now. Do you do you see it that that was the right fit for him? I think that was probably the, the best fit at that stage which we had access to i mean with with travel being limited and that yeah um did he play as much golf as he initially thought he would be playing probably not given that i mean up in indianapolis it does get fairly cold so there are some winter months mm. where, you, where you aren't able to get out onto the course and a lot of that practice is actually indoors and they got fantastic indoor facilities mm. um, like golf sims and yeah simulators and all that sort of stuff they they've they've got simulators yep. they've got putting and chipping greens and mm -hmm. they'd have their their regular little competitions um you know the, the gym facilities is is out of this world um, he looks he looks solid man your boy <laughs> i couldn't believe how solid he looked i was like damn you put like 10 kilos of just muscle <laughs> yeah no he came back with a fair few i think probably about a dozen or 15 case added weight he might be able to take you on an arm wrestle man <laughs> <laughs> but uh, he looked he looked a good he looked in good shape was was he happy with like the um the wider support staff there for the for the sporting teams like the physios and the trainers and I, th I think he did get a lot of support from them good. um the the one thing i think as as new zealanders we don't really always understand just how much support is out there for you um and may, maybe at times um you just got to put yourself out there and also ask you know for that support when you need it and i guess it's that you know the, the kiwi mentality of she'll be all right and yeah 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 I, and like I, not like not talking about it yeah. you have to be good at communication if you don't communicate in yeah. college you struggle that's a really good thing you brought up yeah that's and a great thing to talk about and and honestly speaking when when you see the support systems that are in place that you have access to and how the americans utilize that to the best of their ability um it, it's always there i think just shortly after jared getting there um you know he wasn't probably eating as well as as he should have been initially you know feeding the, the body and that um so the coach got him straight onto the sports nutritionist we worked out a plan for him got him onto the sports psychologist and they were working through you know how to get through those those let's call it flat patches in your round and stuff like that wow. and all there at, at, your, your, at disposal. your disposal yeah no that sounds that that's all good like i think that a lot of athletes don't utilize those resources enough and you need to that's what going to the college the college system is about like going to college in the states is you having an opportunity to be the best athlete you can be and there's so many different things there that can help you become that, right? Yeah, yeah. And I think it's for for the the athletes coming from New Zealand. I mean, 
Yes, we can play on, on different courses over here. I mean, a lot of the conditions are probably, probably pretty much similar. Um, you know, winter, everybody tracks down towards Hamilton, Cambridge, Manawa, to those areas where it's sand-based courses. Yep. Whereas up here, you know, like in Auckland, it, it's mostly clay, so when it gets wet, they become really unplayable. Yep. Whereas down there, or in America, you've got to understand that from week to week, you're going and competing on different grasses and how those different grasses react to what, what you normally, you know, your ball striking maybe. Mm. And it's really that, that learning in that first year, I mean, you've got to go over there with the mentality of, I'm going to be yet to learn and any event that I get into is just an added bonus because I'm going back to school here and that school is learning and understanding how my golf swing fits in and is basically um, can adapt to these different conditions. So one question I got for you is in terms of athletes going to college as a freshman, they're going there for the first time and they're not getting the game timing, they're getting quite upset that they don't get to play. What advice could you give those athletes? Um, I, I think really you've got to take that first year as, as a learning experience and you're really going there and understanding where you are in the process, getting to play on different courses, different conditions, different grasses. Um, having a look at the seniors that are being selected, you know, what, what are they doing? What are they doing differently during practices as compared to what, what you're doing? And that doesn't necessarily mean to go and change your swing or anything drastic like that. Um, but even putting yourself up against them as often as you can, like in, in a competitive environment. So when you go out and, and you practice, yep. have match play against them, you know, play. So again, you, you are challenging yourself, making yourself feel uncomfortable about against the best in your, 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 li your team lineup. Um, and there's also like a fine line, right? Because there's athletes that do well in in-house qualifying in their, in their team. For the, for the weekend selection. And sometimes the coach just doesn't pick them and they're being unreasonable. And maybe they just prefer picking the older players, even though our athletes are getting the scores that they get. But then sometimes our athletes are just not performing under pressure and need a bit more effort. And I guess those are just two completely separate situations. So athletes should really take a look at it. And, you know, we spoke about this before, Sean. Communication yeah. has to be the most important thing to development, right? Yeah. So, I mean, when Jared doesn't play well was he good at communicating was that something that you had to help him out with um I, I think in his case a lot of times like when when you when i didn't get a phone call after around or whatever that that would yeah <laughs> traditionally have signaled that sometimes things didn't go that well or on occasions that things really went well um so he was really different in regards to that mm. but it's being able to be honest and open about, you know, about your performance and not see it as, as critical. I mean, I, I've had the opportunity to caddy now a few times, you know, for Dan Helia locally here in New Zealand. And the way that he looks at, at a round, if, if he's played well or he's played bad, you know, he's quite honest and open about the output of that if you speak to him after the round and it was just, you know, I, I just wasn't good enough today and I'll come back tomorrow and, and we'll have another go at this. Mm. And um, 
you know i think that the younger athletes tend to take things quite quite personal and it's not personal yeah no for sure and what i do admire about jared is that whether the round went good or went bad whenever i spoke to jared on the phone he was very calm he was very level-headed like he didn't spiral out he didn't throw his toys or anything like that he was very calm and I feel that's why he's had such a great golf career so far, and I hope he continues to keep playing. And I know that you said that you you played around with him in Queenstown, didn't you, when he came back, and he was just hadn't picked up the clubs in how long was it? Oh, probably two two and a half months. Two and a half months, and he was just playing unreal. Yeah, looked just in, disinterested for the first two holes, went three over, and then I think he went on like a five or six six old birdie streak, and he ended up shooting four or five under without even trying and yeah. it's just in those moments that you know yeah. you look at it and you think well mm-hmm. there is ability yeah and i think a lot of things that athletes need to understand is sometimes things just won't go your way and it's how you bounce back from them um and jared's done very well in that so jared's now back in new zealand he's in christchurch studying there um you know would you have done anything differently being at this point right now um i think there, there would have been some things that that we may have have changed i think having been uh in COVID, it made things extremely difficult from from a traveling point of view um so even in you know the university selection you didn't have the opportunity to go and to be to visit to be part of to see what you know what that climate is like the coach at indianapolis he, he was fantastic i mean i remember him giving me numbers and contact details of not only players on the team but you know of of parents yeah the support was incredible right? yeah from you indy it yeah was, it was a re- I, I know that you you still keep in touch with the coach and follow the team with interest right yeah absolutely yeah no that's cool would you would you want to go over and and see the guys over there even though jared's not there anymore absolutely like i i would i would love the opportunity to go over you know to go to one of the events see how they do see yeah. how they play just be part of you know the, the team atmosphere for the, the the week yeah and see how it gets done yeah. out there you know it's it's quite different from how things are done back here in new zealand yeah it'll be good because obviously you know, I know you grew up in a bit of sport. You're also a gun tennis player back in the day. I've been to your house. I've seen the trophies, man. <laughs> and um, when you're in a sport, you know you love playing against different people from different environments. And America is interesting, isn't it? It's like countries within countries. It's so it's so different. Yeah, the the, the vast vastness over there yeah. is is just something that we we just we're not used to. That you know, uh, travel times. Um, you know, and just the difference in conditions from from one state to the next state, be that you know temperature wise, being at um, golf course wise, um, there's just a lot, lot, lot more. And I always remember uh, one of Jared's coaches always used to say, to be successful at golf, you've got to be playing golf in shorts for nine months of the year. And there's certainly some of those places in America that afford you that opportunity. Yeah, yeah. So no, absolutely, and. What advice could you give to, to athletes listening to this or parents listening to this and they might be two years away from going to college? I know there was actually an athlete that reached out to us that's just turned 13 and they want to start this process, which is pretty incredible. What advice could you give them looking back on your journey? Um, I, th- I think certainly our experience with, with Platform and yourself is trust the process. I mean, yes, there's going to be days that you're going to wonder, Am I, is my child going to get a scholarship is he not going to get a scholarship 
is this going to happen? Is this not going to happen? You're going to have those sleepless nights. But I can assure you that even through COVID, that did happen for us. Yeah, okay. that was the most difficult time. <laughs> I remember talking to you, man. I was like, I got this. Oh, we're going to get this done. Yeah. But it was, it was tough. Yeah. It was tough. And it's just believing and trusting that process. And even more so, you know, as an athlete, when you get over to the States, understand there's going to be so many other talented athletes out there that are going to be so much better than you. But you have to learn to understand where you are in your process because it is vastly different from the next athletes. And again, just you were good enough to get there. You were good enough to get the opportunity to go and play there. So there must be something special about you. So use that. Yeah, absolutely. And I think also... Uh, it is very challenging to get a scholarship, but it was great that Jared was so academically inclined to work so hard on his academics. That played a big part of it, didn't it? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, especially through COVID, all of a sudden academics became the key yeah. factor, you know. Players not being able to, to participate in tournaments back home. I remember when we were talking to the coach from Indianapolis, I mean, standard practice for, um, for him would he would fly out to the different countries and actually go and watch the the, the players that you know he was potentially going to sign mm. and no, that absolutely. just wasn't happening yeah no absolutely i mean it was it was a great fit i reckon for jared academically because he got he got rewarded academically quite nicely through an academic scholarship he did very well for that and it's not everyday students also get academic scholarships so Big shout out for Jared, man. He worked his he worked his butt off, which is awesome. Um, but also, like Jared, he really knuckled down with the golf. And look, there's there's pressure on athletes to perform, especially when college is on the cards. Um, these athletes know that whatever tournament that they're playing um, is going to be used for their college CV, and it's, the coaches are going to be looking at it. I mean, what advice could you give to athletes that are, are sitting there thinking, "I've got to go put some scores together." I think really the if I look at how some of the other peers and colleagues of Jared play at that level, being American based and that um, yes they have a, a access to a whole lot more competition you know more regularly, um, but certainly the standout in some of those athletes that are performing really really well is even in practice they're putting themselves into comp- competitive. Uh, scenarios all the time whether that be you playing your number one play and you potentially number nine or number ten but going out and playing four five or maybe even six holes but match play Mm. Um, go out and really compete not you know go out and compete and it's if if I make double bogey on this hole, you know, it doesn't really matter type of thing. It's only practice, right? Yeah, it's only practice. If yeah, I so lose... competing with intent of putting pressure on yourself. Yeah, yeah. And, and it's getting yourself into that, getting familiar in feeling uncomfortable. Because really, when you're under the pump, you are uncomfortable. Yeah. And it's learning how to adapt and just how to embrace that uncomfortable, that uneasy feeling and still be able to be as calm on the inside as possible. No, I completely agree with you. Well, I mean, it's been great having you on, Sean. And what I love about this job is that you make amazing friends and you add a lot more members of the family. And I know that you're one of my family members, man. And I mean, 
I'm just waiting for you to invite me over for a barbecue at your house because I know that you do a mean barbecue. I know these South Africans are notorious for it, so I can't wait to come over to your place and um, also get on the golf course. I know I've been meaning to, <laughs> I've been to play golf with you for a while now and I keep getting tied up, but we need to make that happen. But really appreciate everything, uh, Sean. You're an absolute legend and I know that you fly the platform flag pretty highly amongst a lot of athletes, so we appreciate you doing that. Um, and I mean, it was just great seeing your boy Jared down in Christchurch recently and just, you know, giving him a hug and having a coffee with him and just hearing about his experience in the US and, uh, you know, you always, you guys are always be part of the platform family and yeah, you never know. I know you've got a talented daughter right now. She's, how old is she? Yeah, she's seven and a half at the moment. Seven and a half, man. Yeah. 10 years time. Let's go. D1 tennis, you reckon? Or? Yeah, she's looking that way. Yeah. Um, she's a good yeah. tennis player. Yeah, she enjoys tennis. She yeah. needs some motivation like all youngsters at, at times, but she enjoys it when she gets out there <laughs> and she, she's got that competitive edge to her. Yeah. So, yeah, I guess time will tell and hopefully Maybe. hopefully, a person's better equipped, you know. Um, I'll, call, I'll, I'll, I'll send UCLA a message now <laughs> and say keep the books open for 30, uh, 20, 2038 or something. <laughs> It'll be a while away. All good, brother. Now, I appreciate you, man. Honestly, appreciate everything you've done. And, um, yeah, look forward to staying in touch. And, uh, yeah, we'll be dropping this pod um, on all channels. If you want to re-listen to it, it'll be on SoundCloud, Spotify, iTunes. And also, we have got some more podcasts coming. So we'll see you next time.